Hello all of you wonderful people out there. Welcome to another episode of Black and White Reviews. My name is Will. And I'm Lee. And this time around we're going to be talking about the 2008 film Eagle Eye, starring Shia LaBeouf, Michelle Monaghan, Rosaria Dawson, Michael Chiklis, Anthony Mackie, and Billy Bob Thornton. So hey, I wouldn't... Ethan Embry, man. Hmm? Don't forget about Ethan Embry. Ethan Embry? No love for Ethan... No love for Ethan Embry? Come on, he was the main character in Can't Hardly Wait. Dude... Really? He was also Rusty Griswold in Vegas Vacation. Really? He pl- he played opposite Ed O'Neill in Dutch. Good for him. I don't remember him in this movie at all. <laughs> okay. Anyways, so I went into this blind. You're the one who recommended that I watch this, and I'm actually really glad that you did, because I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, oh, okay, good. Yeah, like, I, I haven't seen it in years. I saw it once when it first came out, and I'm like, oh, that was pretty cool. It's a fun movie. It's a really fun movie. Yeah. Um, reminds me a lot of Enemy of the State. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. With mm-hmm. Um, Will Smith yes. and, and, and Gene Will Hackman? Will Smith and... Yes. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, yep. and another thing that this reminded me of, I'm surprised they didn't jump on an idea like this. This reminds me, or, or, or it should be, a good Terminator movie minus the Terminators. Mm-hmm. Like just right. a, like just a movie about Skynet going nuts. Skynet itself, yeah, it's very two thousand one Space Odyssey. You know, meets Terminator. It's like it's like a common ground in between the two. That's how I kind of looked at it. Mm. If you by two thousand, where you got you know that. I mean, if yeah. by two thousand and one, you're just referencing Hal. Just Hal, yeah, yeah. not the not absolutely, the yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But no, this movie, um, this movie was great, um. Yeah, so you said you only saw this once when it first came out. How did you feel about it this time around? Yeah, probably a year or two. I, I So I watched it again, and it's funny. So I, when I said, hey, you didn't watch this, you're like, yeah, I guess so. And I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, he's going to hate this movie. Because I'm thinking, I'm like, I, I, don't remember, I don't remember it well enough to, to be like stand by it and be like, yeah, yeah, this is great. We should totally do it. You know, I'm like, this is either going to be one of those movies. So... Generally, you and I try to talk about a movie we really love or a movie we really don't like. We right. don't pick something that's in the middle. So it's like, oh man. So what if this is like a total? It, what if this is not a movie we hate and not a movie we love? It's just gonna be like this is gonna be a really boring episode of our podcast. <laughs> well, so, I mean, um, it, it depends on how we want to yeah. talk about something like this because there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of action, blow it up, bang bang going on in this movie, and it's. Mm-hmm. It, it it ends up being something that's really boring in and of itself to talk about. So I was just going to go through, you know, some of the major plot points and you and I could go back and forth on that. And if you want to, yeah. I mean, if you decide that at any point there's something, there was something just incredibly amazing in one of the action sequences that you wanted to kind of jump on. I mean, go for it. Um, oh yeah. I, I really didn't get that. I mean, the, the point of this movie isn't so much the action sequences. It's the plot. It's, you know, everything that's going on behind it. The right. action scenes are nothing to write home about. They are what they are. Um, yeah. <laughs> if there is one thing about this movie that wasn't up to snuff, the the dialogue at certain parts in this movie are a little bit clunky for me, but it's it's a yeah. stupid action movie and I could take that or leave it. It's not this isn't this isn't high art. You're like we're not discussing some big dramatic movie. Like you and I just a couple of minutes ago, a little behind the scenes, you and I just a couple of minutes ago, we wrapped up, you know, um, our our review of The Truman Show. This is not that. Mm-hmm. This is nowhere near anything like that. This is something a little bit more basic. 
which is absolutely fine for what it is. So there is that. Um, so let's, yeah. let's kind of get into it a little bit. The movie starts off with, you know, a U.S. military operation and they're attempting to assassinate a potential terrorist. And we get kind of a glimpse of what this movie is going to be. We see a guy who opens his cell phone and the camera of his cell phone immediately snaps an image of him and sends it back to, you know, the Secretary of Defense or what have you. And there's an AI in the background warning of, you know, insufficient data, right? You know, it cannot confirm that this is the identity of the person that they're seeking or whatever. And the military mm-hmm. completely ignores this and they launch a drone attack and the targets are eliminated. So immediately this is, you know, kind of worry. It, it fits with 2008. There's is some meta commentary going on behind this, you know, back in 2008, 2009, 2010, the way that the U S was launching drone strikes on the middle East was absolutely insane. So it's absolutely, it's, it's very fitting with the time and things that were going on in the world. And I do like that. I like realism in a lot of my movies. Right. Cool. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, I, I'd say the technology that we see here is pretty believable. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty believable. I, I don't think it's, it's very far off from what is real, realistic and what we have um, available to our, us and our government right now. I guess. Well, I mean, the, the AI thing, it's like, eh, it's a little far-fetched there, but like everything it could connect to and the way that it could connect and the way that it could analyze things not far off at all. I mean, if you gave, if you gave, I mean, I could see that, I could see that as a possibility. I mean, if you gave something like Siri or Google assistant, a little bit more authority, it could absolutely be this. Oh yeah, exactly. But I'm I'm saying let's, let's just take the, the whole AI aspect out and think about the technology that it's, it's, um, tapping into in order to get this information if you had a person sitting in the in the control seat all of this stuff is possible absolutely absolutely so that's what makes that's what makes this movie go whoa like all of this could totally happen if you had somebody there no absolutely because i mean i mean you just look at the way that this movie opens up with a drone strike drones are unmanned there's not (laughs) there's nobody there's nobody sitting in there it's you know some dude you know with a video game controller sitting in a room somewhere that's basically how that Mm -hmm. whole thing works it's amazing right so um moving on from that we get our introduction to the main character jerry played by shia labeouf and he's in the back room somewhere and he's playing you know poker with a couple of his buddies and he's basically scamming this one guy out of money giving him this line about, hey, listen, <laughs> I loved it. don't don't take your girl to Blockbuster or rent a video and then back to your mom's basement and whatever's going to happen there. Actually, take her out. Take her out to get some food. You can have lobster tonight, and all you have to do is play this hand and win. What do you say? And his dumb yeah. friend is all in. I mean, <laughs> watching this, it's like, no, don't don't put your money in here because he has a hand in this poker game that's absolutely going to beat you, but he's just... He's too dense <laughs> to, to figure it out. It's it's actually pretty funny when you when you get around it. And of course, you know they show their hands, and and Shia LaBeouf wins this hand, and you know game over. And you know a woman comes into the room. It looks like it looks like it's dinner at mom's again tonight. Exact, pretty much <laughs> dinner at mom's again with your girlfriend. Good, good, good job there. Good job there. So he's um we find out he's working at a place called the Copy Cabana. Which okay, sure, Copy Cabana. Copy Cabana. Um, he's on his way home on the train. 
and here we go. We get this really weird commercial that's almost like a public service announcement warning that the FBI can tap into your phone and listen to what you're mm-hmm. saying and where you're going and everything else. So two things that I want to comment upon this. One is today with smartphones. I don't know if this has happened to you. I don't know if this has happened to anybody else, but there are times when I'll be talking to somebody about something that I want to buy or, or something that I'm oh, interested yeah. in. No, this happens to everybody. And then all of this a sudden the advertisement will this. show up on my phone. Like it'll be in my email or it'll be in one of the mm-hmm. ads on a website that I visit just by me talking about it. So that's absolutely a thing that happens. And yep. two, this movie had incredibly incredibly good foresight because it's five years later in 2013 that Edward Snowden blows the whistle. Yeah. And I just think that's incredible. I just think it's incredible that a movie like this came out way before, you know, that guy was even a blip. This is, it was just, I don't know. It's just one of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, right. We find out that Jerry is very broke. He's having some problems with money. He's having problems paying the rent. He gets a phone call from his mother and we find out his twin brother is dead. He tragically died. Yeah. And we, at this point, we really don't know how. Um, Jerry goes to the funeral and slips a paper airplane into his brother's jacket pocket. Now, maybe this is just me picking at things, but it's just one of those things that I really want to know what he wrote down. Like, I really want to know what he wrote down on this little paper airplane and the significance behind it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't like when movies like leave little threads like that hang and it's a pet peeve of mine. Like, if you're going to show me something, show me something. Don't just like, Hey, here's, here's a thing that may or may not be important, but guess what? We're moving on like that. That's always bothered me. Right. That's so much more important than figuring out why Wolverine somehow has adamantium claws again. Sure. Sure it is. So, so much more important. Hey man, I get hung up on stupid <laughs> details and I'm, I'm one of those people that's optimistic enough to think that eventually you'll get an answer to your antimantium problem, but this, it's like, I'm no, never going to know. So <laughs> it, it, whatever, just it's, it's, it's absolutely whatever. Um, we find out his brother, Ethan, his twin brother, Ethan, he was accomplished. He has a whole bunch of trophies and accolades and medals in his old bedroom and just, it's great. Perfect. Um, Jerry yeah. got some problems. Identical twin, mind you. Identical. T- well, identical twin, twin, but I identical guess, twin. I guess that is important for what happens later. Identical twin. Yeah. Um, he has some problems with his parents, though. Jerry does. He, um, we find out he dropped out of Stanford University and his father's having a really hard time with this. And Jerry, you know, to his credit, goes into the whole thing like, hey, listen, dad, you know, my brother your son is dead is now really the time you want to be having this conversation with me. And I absolutely get it. Like his father, it's a, it's an absolutely inappropriate time to be bringing something like this up. Like, I understand like you're worried about what your kid is doing with his life, but at the same time, like, come on, let's, let's, let's mourn a little bit and save the arguing for, you know, a little bit later on. We don't have to do this right now. So I sympathize with Jerry. Yeah, but in that it, it does sh- it does show the relationship there. So in in the situation, the way that the father is mourning slash grieving is he's trying to control the situation in a way that he can, and he's and he's just ripping on his other son as a grasp for control, so he can deal with the pain of of the loss of his other son. That is just a psychology like 
like an obvious thing there because what else can he do when you're faced with the challenging situations especially something so difficult like that you tend to want to push blame and focus on other things in order for you to cope um it's 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 part of the grieving process so but that's not one thing, uh, let me, one thing let me say do, this let me say this that's not true for everybody and i'll get a little personal no. right now i get i'll get a little personal yeah. right now i dealt with serious tragedy in in my childhood and mm-hmm. i learned how to deal with things at a very young age i had to grow up a lot right. at a very young age and this is not mm-hmm. how i deal with things that's not how i grieve so that that's not necessarily everybody. I'm the kind of person that wants to face no. things heads on. I'm not going to, you know, use grief as an excuse to exude, you know, any kind of control or, you know, inappropriate line of questioning or or anything of that matter. So that's not I'm, well, I, no, I just I just not, wanted to say not that that's not a conscious everybody. act. No. But it's but it, it all on top of that though is it's also not a, a um it's not a conscious act. I mean, we all act out in different ways depending on where we are in our stage of growth, where we are in our, and even our cognitive ability. I mean, even certain parts of our brain aren't developed until we're in our, our mid-20s. That's why they say, that's why the, the, the laws are the laws, you know, driving at certain ages, smoking at certain ages, drinking at certain ages, because there's, um, there's a certain level of brain development that is not there until you're at a certain age. And if you spend your whole life going through a certain thing and handling things a certain way, it, it all comes down to when you were exposed to certain things and, and, you know, what season of your life, you know, what developmental stage. So yeah, my, my statement is, is kind of a blanket statement, but the thing is how you cope um, may translate differently. You could lash out to people. You could close off from people. Uh, you could, you could establish control in other ways. You could, um, you know, I mean, there's so many different ways that you can, handle that unless you do actually process that information in a healthy way, which is normally not done by yourself. You know, there needs to be another person there, whether it's a relationship with God or, you know, um, somebody else who can connect with you at a level and help walk you through a process. And a lot of people go to therapy, you know, or have a mentor in their lives or, you know, or, or a parent or whatever, or other family figure. But, yeah, the point here is, yeah, his dad was, was, from our perspective, being a jerk, you know, as he probably always was. And I've seen, I've seen this type of family dynamic before. Um, a friend of mine whose father passed away about a year and a half ago, and, you know, I went to the funeral in the wake um, because the, the father was, I'd say, kind of like an uncle to me. I lived with them for a while, lived with him, and um, he was definitely like an uncle-type figure. But... The issue I noticed was my friend, who I know how my friend is. I know that he he's not ever he's not really ever been the most reliable person I've ever known. Um, and that's putting it very lightly. <laughs> um, his brother, who was his younger brother, was the golden child. Mm-hmm. You know, the one with the great grades, the one who was more athletic, yep. the one who. Um, had everything together, knew how to knew how to say things the right way. Yep. Like he knew how to carry himself. Like everything was perfect. But my friend was the one who was constantly trying to prove himself. And, you know, every time I saw an interaction between the two of them, I never, never heard his father say anything, you know, nice to him. Of course not. You know, and I'm like, oh, you know, because he was the 
you know, if you watch uh, Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, you know, wrong kid died, you know, it's just, that's just kind of how it goes. You know, there's that, that thing with the father. And I mean, I've never been a part of that. I never had a sibling, you know, you know, rivalry type situation. But um, here's very challenging. You got two twin brothers. So that makes it even worse. You got the, the good twin and then there's the messed up twin. Remember the Simpsons episode where where Bart found out he was the evil twin? Treehouse and, of Horror. And Rufus or whatever? Treehouse of Horror, yeah. Hugo. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there was the one who was getting fish heads in the basement, and then they realized that Bart was actually the evil one, so they sent him back down to the basement. Yeah, they switched And the them. other one... Yeah. No, and I completely... It wasn't, wasn't Rufus. I completely... It was Hugo. Hugo. That's His name it. is Hugo. Not, not yeah. So yeah, I completely Hugo. sympathize. I completely sympathize with that whole thing because I go through the same thing, you know, in my family dynamic. My sister, golden mm. child, could do absolutely mm. no wrong in our grandfather's eyes. Me, on the other hand, completely right. different story. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah. completely different yeah. story. So I, I sympathize with things in that manner. As far as the father goes, I wasn't so much trying to say that this is how he's just, you know, dealing with everything in a coping mechanism. I was almost like saying he strikes me as a man who is very matter of fact, like what is, is Mm -hmm. what is, what isn't, isn't, and what's done is done. And that's just the way that things are with him. And I know that Mm -hmm. because I, I I know older men like that. Like it's, it's, it's a part of, it's a part of their makeup. It's just the way that they were raised. You know, there was a point in time where men who are much older than we are, they didn't, they didn't broadcast their emotions or their BS for the entire world to figure out. They, they, you know, something happens, they deal with it then and there, and then they move on. That's just the way that things are. And I don't, I don't think it's so much of a coping mechanism or they're hiding behind something. It's just the way things were, you know, 40, 50, 60 years ago and the way that children were brought up back then and the mentality, that, the mentality they were brought up around. It's not, it's, it's, it's challenging. It's absolutely challenging. Right. So I, but in right. all those regards, I do sympathize. I get it. But he's still, you know, being kind of a jerk and he's not being very sympathetic of what um, Jerry here is going through. I think he's ignorant of how, you know, tightly of a bond you can actually have with a twin. I, I, I know twins, mm-hmm. you know, in real life and they're, they're closer than I could ever imagine to be with any of my siblings. It's ridiculous. So it's, it is what it is. So I, I, I liked it for what it was. Yeah. Now the funny thing that you, you missed out on, on one actor and it's, it's William Sadler who plays his father in this movie. Um, now obviously, you know, William Sadler from something a lot more specific than I would. Uh, who was he to you? Do I? Yeah, dude, he was the bad guy from Die Hard 2. What? Oh yeah, you're right. He is. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. I so, didn't I mean, he even played notice Death that. in the Bill and Ted movies. He played um, uh, Commander Overbeck, Will Overbeck, and Rocket Man. He's he he was in Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> this guy's been in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. William Sadler. He was also the president of the United States in Iron Man Three. Huh. Um. I mean, but he, but again, he's been in a ton of things. So when I saw him here, I'm like, oh, there he is. Okay. And, and, he, and he, he generally plays small parts, yes. which is, you know, sad. He's actually a pretty good actor. He is a good um, actor. So it's, it's, but, um, 
Yeah, it was. It's it's interesting seeing him pop up here for a moment. And I wasn't. I, I listen when I don't name an actor or an actress. It's not out of disrespect. <laughs> I just I just I go know. through the name of the heavy hitters who are in the movie. You know the the ones that you know the movie focuses around. Not oh, you showed up in two scenes in a movie. I'm gonna name you. No, I'm not gonna do that. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> I'm not, I, no, that's I not, get it. I get it. It's not. I know. I mean, Sean Kinney's not over here going, "Oh, why didn't they pay attention to me?" Well, I'm like, "You're." It's because you're you're like last on the list of you know the main page on IMDb, buddy. Like <laughs> you did a great job, but I mean, you're not. You're no William Sadler. <laughs> you, you did. You did a great job with those couple of lines you had there, buddy. Good. Good one. Um. Anyways, so yeah, they have a conversation about him dropping out of college, and like I said, it's completely inappropriate at that moment. Uh. Jerry stands up and kind of gives gives a really interesting line that gives a lot to the um the dynamic of of his relationship with his parents. He says that one day he wants to be able to walk into that house without feeling like a stranger. And his father mm-hmm. has absolutely nothing to say about this. He just very coldly reaches into his wall getting ready to pull out some money. And Jerry wants absolutely none of this this man's money and he takes off. But, you know, too bad, because later on in the train, he's reaching into his backpack and he pulls out a check for $1,000. So, great. Perfect. And we get through we get through Jerry's introduction. Next, we meet Rachel, who is a mm-hmm. single mother, who has a gifted child, uh, who is a musician playing the trumpet. He's getting ready to go away on a class trip to perform somewhere i don't think we know exactly where he's going yet but in the end he's he's quite say he's going just to get to it he's going to dc with his class to perform in front of the president and, and the current administration that's going on in this movie um now before we started talking well before we before we hit record you actually brought something up about this kid that i didn't piece together if you just want to Say a couple of things about that. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I. That's you. <laughs> what? What you say about what? I said before we hit record. <laughs> before we hit record, you had told me something about this kid that I didn't know. And if you wanted to talk a little bit about that, go for oh, it. Oh, Embry. Yes. Oh, no, he's just, he's there. (laughs) Okay, whatever. Anyways, moving on. It's just Ethan Embry. (laughs) Moving on, moving on. So they're at the train station, and his father shows up, who's very clearly like the the, the stereotypical deadbeat dad who doesn't even know what instrument his son plays. They put him on the train, and here comes this mystery man up, and he's very clearly, like broad daylight, steals this kid's trumpet. And it's like, okay... What's going on? Yeah. Why are you taking the trumpet? We'll find out a lot more about that later. <laughs> we see Jerry in an yep. ATM cashing this check that he supposedly got from his father, and it's not just for a thousand dollars. Um, this check—I don't know if it's a glitch or or what's going on. We know what's going on, but he ends up no, with seven hundred. It was it was his account balance. Sure, his account balance is seven hundred and fifty-one thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Jackpot. Like he's just he's yeah. just given seven hundred and fifty one thousand dollars. Money starts flying out of the ATM and going everywhere. And let's and this lady, this really nice lady standing behind him, you know, bends down to pick up a couple of the, the hundreds and kind of hand them off to him and, you know, oh thank you. 
let's be honest. In any city, if this actually happened, if an ATM just started spitting out money, people would be coming from all over to grab some and run. Let's just be very honest about that, shall we? So already that's that, that maybe. Well, I mean, there's other people standing there, too, and they'd see her do that and they'd be like, hey, what are you doing? Well, I, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about, you know, in small, tight knit communities. I'm talking about in the city. Mm-hmm. Just a completely different dynamic. Yeah, I'm maybe. just being honest. Um, yeah, so he, he makes it back to his apartment and his landlady is going nuts about a bunch of boxes that were delivered. He gets inside of his apartment and it's weapons and chemicals galore. And (laughs) Jerry, in his infinite wisdom, makes the wise decision to start touching everything. I'm going to open this box. I'm going to open this briefcase. Just putting his fingerprints all over everything. And I'm screaming at the TV. You know, you you really need to stop. Don't touch anything. You know, action movie 101. They're just going to their your fingerprints are going to be cause for concern later on. Stop what you're doing. I mean, it doesn't really come up later. But it's just one of those things that's, like, stuck in my head, like, don't touch anything. Like, all of this stuff clearly isn't yours. This is, you're clearly being set up for something. You don't know anything about any of this, or your brother was into some shady stuff. Stop touching things. Don't. Like, I I understand why he was going through everything there. He's, like, opening up. He's like, oh, look, it's a gun. Oh, well, then, what's what's in this one? Oh, it's, like, a sight. It's like, what's in this one? Oh, it's a, like, stop. Stop touching it. Ridiculous. (laughs) Ridiculous. <laughs> he gets a phone call from a mystery woman on the phone and uh, telling him that he's been activated. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's been activated and that he needs to run. The feds are coming for him. You know, there's enough evidence in your room. Run. Like, y- you've been set up. Now it's time for you to run. He ignores this and he's immediately arrested. And the next thing you know, he's sitting in a room with Billy Bob Thornton. So. Yes, Billy Bob Thornton in this movie is incredible. Billy Bob Thornton, I I think he's great because generally you see Billy Bob Thornton, especially in a role like this, and you go, "He's gonna be a jerk. He's gonna be a bad guy." Um, and I mean, without I mean, whatever, without giving too much away. I mean, we're talking about this movie. The the thing is, he's doing his job. Yes, and all signs point to Jerry is a criminal. Yes. Jerry is a terrorist. Yes. So he comes in there. He's like, oh, you didn't do? He's like, oh, yeah, of course you didn't. I mean, come on. You work at Copy Cabana. Like, whatever. But he's just, that's just him doing his thing and whatever. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because we see where it goes and how it all connects. And honestly, I think it's great. I think his character was fantastic. He did a fantastic job all the way I around. I absolutely 100% agree with you. And I'm going to get a little bit ahead of myself here. He's not the stereotypical agent in a movie, you know, doing his job. Because if he was, if he was, he would never, you know, believe or buy into anything that Jerry is saying. But there is a point in this movie where he actually does kind of start to piece things together and he goes with it. Mm -hmm. And it's not, he's not, you know, just out of, out of pure arrogance or pride. Like I have to get Jerry. He's no, he's after what's actually going on. That's what makes his role in this movie so great. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. He's great. So there's a lot of questions going on about Jerry and his relationship with his brother. And, you know, of course is, you know, Jerry is claiming innocence, you know, but like you just said, at this point, you know, Jerry pretty much isn't to be believed. 
you know, we got you dead to rights, buddy. We got a whole bunch of chemicals and guns in your apartment. You have a a, a balance in your bank account of seven hundred and fifty one thousand dollars. What's uh, what's going on? And we kind of leave that alone for a little while. Rachel's out with the girls and she's drinking and she gets a call from who she thinks is her son, but it's not. It's the same mystery lady who called Jerry a little bit earlier, telling her that she's been activated and directs her towards an SUV and is threatened with, you know, her, her son's life or, or what have you. So she really has no choice but to, but to follow through with what she's being told. Mm-hmm. Back at, um, yeah. back at this at, at FBI headquarters with this police station or wherever it is Jerry's being held, the, um, the fax machine gets hacked <laughs> into and it's, you know, basically giving Jerry a, a, a phone call. You know, whatever whatever protocols going on has been overrided, and Jerry gets a phone call at this at this particular time. So he mm-hmm. goes to make his phone call, and he's told to lay flat on the ground. Your escape has been planned, and a giant crane comes crashing through the side of this building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. The, the, no, this whole thing kind of reminded me of it reminded me of Neo in the first Matrix movie. Mm-hmm. You know, where Morpheus is yes. like talking him through it. Yes. Yeah, basically the same exact thing. Yeah, I thought it was great. I, I mean, but it was it was definitely a lot more connected than just, like, agents walking through. Like, they're coming after you. It's like, yeah, they're coming, but we're also going to throw a crane through the building, <laughs> and you're going to, like, <laughs> climb out through that and jump, jump, Jerry, jump. I know I'm okay. giving you—I know I'm going to give you a really, um, a really bad reminder, but it reminded me of the crane scene from T3— <laughs> the oh, chase shush. sequence with the, the, the yeah. giant crane. Yeah, but we didn't hear. Don't. <laughs> it's amazing. That never happened. <laughs> Shut up. That was such a cartoon. Such a, that that movie it. was a cartoon. That never happened. In itself. Such oh a joke. Oh my god, that movie was great. Such a total joke. I'm so upset that we lost that, but whatever. <laughs> I guess it wasn't meant to be. Anyways... Anyways, um, so he escapes this building by jumping out of the side where this giant gaping hole is now from where this crane came crashing through and he ends up on a train platform. He boards the train and there's a sleeping man next to him. His, this, the sleeping dude, his cell phone starts ringing and there's text on the screen says, pick up now, Jerry, or whatever it says. And he just steals this, this poor guy's cell phone. Great. Then he's told to get off three stops ahead and get into the SUV. He ignores this, right? He ignores this, gets off the train, gets onto another train and thinks he's going to go in the other direction and just escape whatever's going on. But no, no, no. Mm -hmm. This train starts to pull out of the station, stops, and then backs up, right? And it's, for whatever reason, it's going in reverse now. Like, it's bringing him back mm-hmm. to where he's actually supposed to be. <laughs> and everybody's cell phone in this train car gets tapped into via voice or text message. And it's telling everybody. And I listened to this like four or five times to make sure I heard it right. It's this female's yeah. voice telling all of these people that Jerry Shaw is a terrorist. And oh, yeah, straight up. Now everybody's after him. So he has absolutely mm-hmm. no choice but to Yo, jump out Jerry of this Shaw? moving chain. <laughs> <laughs> you see this one dude coming at him. Are you Jerry Shaw? You see a security guy who, who works for this, 
this transit system like running down the side of the train for whatever reason and it's like okay so jerry <laughs> jerry has to jump and jerry has to escape this and my god okay yeah yeah so a couple of moments later jerry and rachel they end up together and after a couple of moments of anger and confusion obviously they're trying to figure out who each other's are, each other are they, they they both figure it out they both figure out there's there's someone on the same side and they begin to flee the law and let the chase sequence begin. This mysterious voice yes. is guiding them along the way. Um, at one point, and this is so weird, at one point, this this artificially intelligent thing that's that's hacking everything right now takes over control of the SUV in order to get them accelerated to a certain speed, right? And I'm just like, why didn't that just happen in the first place? Why make this woman who right. clearly cannot drive stick <laughs> drive this thing and just take over? Just just let the AI drive and we don't have this problem at all. But no, they have to, you know, put us through the um put us through the motions here. So yeah. It's right. again, this right. is this is what makes it this is what makes, you know, action movies a little difficult to discuss because a lot of it is very Big bang, big booms, kicky punchy, you know, right. this happened, that happened, but it, it is what it is. So we get through all that. So, in- so yeah, there, there is a lot of action in this movie, but I think what it comes down to is not so much, they don't, they don't, although they have it, I don't think the whole point is about the action. Neither do I. And that's what's cool about it. Like, Neither do it, I. It's, it actually gets, it actually gets pretty cool, pretty deep in the sense of, you know, like why this is happening. Like once you get yes. to the end and you realize the connection, you realize that the beginning was completely tied to the end. Yes. You're like, yeah. okay, yeah. I get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. So they make it to this, this shipping yard and it's, it's time to, to get onto the next phase of this whole thing. And these cranes start, you know, smacking cop cars and, and unmarked government cars out of the way. And it's picking cars up and tossing them all over the place. And then the crane comes down, grabs the SUV that Rachel and, and Jerry are in and brings them over. They jump out and now they're on a trash heap. The only thing I could think of when I saw this was the claw from from um, Toy Story. That's the only thing I thought of yep. when I saw this entire scene. Yep. It was, it was We've com- been chosen. Yes, Farewell, exactly. my friends. Exactly. It was a complete ripoff of Toy Story. That's... All right. We get a... We get kind of a quick cut scene here of them introducing this new type of weapon. There are crystals that explode, and the detonator is a frequency tied to said crystal. And then we get uh-huh. a cut to the trumpet thief, who's actually a music store owner. And the crystal goes over to a jeweler, and the crystal gets cut into a necklace. So we're getting some information about what's going on here. Like, it's not just... At this point, it's not just Jerry and Rachel who's, you know, been, quote unquote, activated. There are other people, too, who are becoming more involved with everything that's going on here. And it really doesn't. Right. Like you said earlier, well, a few minutes ago, um, by the time you get to the end and everything ties, ties together, all of this really doesn't come to fruition until way later in the film. So there's a lot of right. there's a lot of build up to everything that's going on. So Rachel exactly. and Jerry, they're off in the middle of nowhere and they're having a conversation about everything that's happening to them at this point. 
um, Jerry goes into a whole thing about his brother and how he was in the military and Rachel jumps to the conclusion that, well, maybe your brother was into some not so great stuff. Maybe he was a terrorist. How would you know? And this is not great, but what have you? <clears throat> Excuse me. So the music store owner and a Vinnie man approaches and he claims that he sent the package off to where it had to go to. He's been ordered to drive them somewhere, but he's not having any of it. He just throws the keys down. I'm not driving you anywhere. And he takes off. This is my God. What happens next? So Jerry gets a phone <laughs> call to stop him or else he'll die. And then. Okay. So they're underneath tension wires, like power cables. They, they come loose. They touch this music store owner. Who's trying to run away and it just incinerates him. No, no explosion, no body parts flying everywhere. Just he turns to dust. <laughs> like it's the most, yeah. <laughs> it's the most <laughs> ridiculous death scene I've seen in, a, in an it action movie in quite some ridiculous. time. He just turns to dust. He's dust in the wind and now, it's over. It's now when you see somebody out there by power lines, what is the only other movie you what's think in of the box? at that point? What's in the box? Exactly. <laughs> I'm looking at that. I'm just like, where's Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman? Like, how cool of an Easter egg would it be if you just saw, like, them kind of, like, way off in the distance? Dude, and like, I wonder whole, if that's... This whole sequence <laughs> was an Easter egg for Seven. Like, it, like there's no oh, way. Yeah. There's no way you look at this. Mm-hmm. Like, it's two people. They're in the middle of a desert. An SUV rolls up. They're underneath tension wires. Like, this is Seven <laughs> through and through. Like, that's exactly what happens in Seven. Dude shows up in a minivan yep. talking about a package. Come on. Like, what else am I supposed to think? <laughs> what, what else do you come on? Really? So, yeah, I even yeah. I even have it written down. What's in the box? OK. OK. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the mystery voice orders are Rachel and Jerry to uh, get in the SUV and drive to Indiana and they're off. So this is this is the part of the movie where Rosario Dawson's character is introduced, and she's searching around um, Ethan's apartment, and she comes across. There's absolutely no reason for this. She comes across a government issued laptop, and the laptop shuts down, and she can't get back into mm. it for whatever reason. There was no point well, in having. Well, because she was clearly she was clearly walking herself into certain things, and that's when it was shut down. But I, it was. It wasn't just like it just stopped. It was because she was clearly accessing no, it shut know, these down. files. It shut down because she didn't know the password. Right. From because she was trying to access files. She that, was trying to access obviously Well, she was trying to access his personal files. She couldn't because mm-hmm. she didn't know the password and the laptop just shut down. I have, you know, some of the same um security features on my laptop. Like if you don't know the password to my system, it's just going to shut down and just reboot. And I, I understand why that happens. It's a good feature to have, but it's just, there was no point to this, really. Like, you could have just opened up with her, you know, being approached by what happens next. Like, she's approached by the Air Force, and it's like, come with us, you're being summoned or kidnapped or whatever it is that's going on. <laughs> same thing. Whatever. It's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> um... So Rachel and Jerry, we're back in the minivan, and they have a nice talk about, you know what her son is doing about what his brother was doing. Um, Jerry is triggered once again by the mere mention or suggestion that his brother may be a terrorist. He violently, you know, pulls this SUV off the highway and he's just done. He stomps off. 
It's <laughs> over. Up until, you know, Rachel just kind of, you know, runs up to him and says, no, we got to go. I need you. And he reluctantly, you know, goes along with this whole thing. Right. So we find out right. what the two of them have to do. They have to steal a briefcase from a couple of armed guards, you know, who are guarding somewhat of an, an, an armored truck. And what's interesting about this is they never actually like this. I mean, this voice, which we know later on is Aria. Yes. Um, this voice that calls this woman that calls, um, quote unquote, never tells them exactly what to do, what to do here. It's like, just still the you briefcase. need to get this case. She goes, you need to get this case and they will be armed. Yes. That's all. That's that it. is all. No further information. So the first thing they think of is let's open up the back of this truck. Well, they don't open weapons it. from it. They don't open it. Aria opens the back of the truck. Since you call the, since you okay, call this they, AI out by name, Aria unlocks the back yeah. of the truck. They mm-hmm. reach in and grab these shotguns. <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> they reach in and grab these shotguns and then the the armed you know guards come out with the case give me the case yeah there's the heavily trained armed guards <laughs> <laughs> there's a little yes, bit continue there, there's a little bit there's a little bit of a tussle going on but you know ultimately this goes off without a hitch <laughs> yeah i know it's insane it's completely unbelievable because, like you said, yes. they are they are trained, and these two these two jabronis <laughs> off the street have no idea what they're doing. Jabronis, <laughs> exactly. That is the perfect term. Thank you for this situation. <laughs> That's ridiculous. We don't it, often, I don't think we use jabroni enough in our in our regular everyday you know dialogue. I don't know. I, I don't. I kind of. I've I've been using it, and and everyone looks at me like, "Did you just say jabroni?" I'm like, "Yeah, I did." Get over it. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I I, I kind of look at jabroni as kind of a played out term. Like it's not two thousand anymore. When it was like, eh, you know what? It doesn't matter <laughs> what not. you think. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Oh, that was great. <laughs> It doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> All right. Back. All right. Anyways. Anyways, like I said, these two jabronis. You walked right into that one. The, <laughs> these two jabronis, they pull off this arm robbery. There's a little bit of a tussle, but ultimately it, 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 it works out for them because, you know, we have, we have Arya helping Arya as the AI. We have Arya helping out. And um, she sets off an alarm and a sprinkler system inside of a nearby building, and these two are able to just maneuver their way through the crowd and kind of blend in and, and, and make their escape, right? Oh, yeah. You it's know, actually like pretty clever. Whatever. It's actually pretty <laughs> clever. I actually like the way that this was done, because normally what you would see here is just the alarm going off, and either people are going to run or people are going to ignore it. But the sprinkler system, like normally, if I'm inside of a building like a mall or at work and the fire alarm starts going off. I usually ignore because I know a lot of those things are, are faulty. Some of them just go right. off for whatever reason. It doesn't really matter. If I'm in a building and the sprinkler system starts to go, I'm booking it. 
Like, I don't care who's in right. my way. I don't care what's there. I'm leaving. So it's it's a nice little, you know, subtle touch to detail here that I really appreciated. It was pretty cool. Yeah, totally. Um, Right. So the two, they ditch these shotguns. They make their way and they're gone. They find their way onto a bus because this AI Arya says so. <laughs> and so Jerry discovers that this briefcase has a timer on it. And the only thing that the two of them can come up with is it's some kind of a bomb. It's counting down to something, and neither one of them know exactly what it is. Well, no, the, the, I love the line, though, too. It's like, the only thing that has timers is, like, he, I forgot what, the first thing he said was whatever, and then, uh, she goes, what? You were going to say, he's like, uh, uh, microwaves. I was going to say microwaves. <laughs> yeah, microwave. She's like, that's not what you were going to say. You were going to say a bomb. Sure it is. It's a, it's a microwave, but, buddy. You know exactly what that is. <laughs> All right, yeah. so we get back to Rosaria Dawson, and she's taken to the Pentagon, and Mike Chiklis, oh boy. So, because this is probably one of the only times we're ever going to talk about Mike Chiklis, I, I have to like give ever? him, I seriously doubt either one of us are going to really want to talk about Fantastic Four. Uh, Do you yeah. ever see us discussing yeah. that movie? No. Exactly. No, exactly. No, you talked earlier about something being boring. That would just be boring. That wouldn't be fun. But hey, but hey, we got some connections here, okay? Michael Chiklis was the thing. Anthony Mackie, right? I, I was going a different way with the, this, the but Falcon. I see where you're going. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just connecting the worlds here. Oh, I can connect it a little bit more for you. Mm-hmm. So I have to Go give ahead. a lot of respect to Michael Chiklis because he was part of probably a television show that's in my top 10, probably my top five. And that was The Shield. Yeah, it is right. an amazing series. And he plays a detective called Vic Mackey. Mm-hmm. Vic Mackey, Anthony Mackey. Uh, yeah. There you go. I, I got it. I know. Yeah. So, anyways, I just I just wanted to point that put that out there. He's Michael Chiklis is an amazing actor through and through. He was Mm -hmm. what he was able to accomplish on that show is phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal work. You know how you get these television shows a lot like you know things that we're watching or things that we've watched in the past, where each season is kind of inside of its own little pocket, and then you know by season two we're moving on to a completely different storyline. That's not the way The Shield works. The Shield works a lot more like a novel where, you know, it builds upon itself and just keeps going and going and going and escalates. Kind of the way the Breaking Bad did. It's an incredible story. So I just I just wanted to say that because I don't know when we're going to talk about, you know, Michael Chiklis again. Anyways. So we're in the Pentagon and we get somewhat of an exposition dump. And he talks about there may be an intimate attack on U.S. soil. They've received over 200 threats. And they're making their way, you know, down into the, the, the basement of the Pentagon and what have you. Now, one thing we have to remember here is that Michael Chiklis's character, um, he's basically the Secretary of Defense. Yes. You know, uh, General Callister here. Yes. Um, he's the one that we saw in the beginning who was basically saying we should probably call off this strike, you know, and not not attack this guy because this could be like a legit funeral. 
Okay, I see you where know, you're going now. And it's not. I see where you're going so it's, now. It's, you're right. This is that is kind of important. I completely skipped over that. It's kind of important. Yeah. This 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 guy here okay. is the same guy who was agreeing with the AI, saying there's a chance that we're doing something like totally messed up, right? And we shouldn't strike. You know, when everybody, including the president of the United States, who makes the final call, saying strike now. Yeah. You're like, what happens if you don't strike? And this is him. You know, what's that going to do? Strike now. You well, have my permission to go. I believe I can kind of understand both sides of that. Because you're right, I kind of skipped over that. Yeah. I can kind of understand both sides of that because I do believe that at the beginning of this thing, when the AI was warning against this attack, the probability rate was well above, you know, 50, 55% oh, somewhere. Yeah, up, yeah, above yeah. 50%. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of understand where you know, the president and other cabinet members will be coming from. Like, listen, this is mm-hmm. this is this is better than half. This might be, you know, one of the best chances we have at assassinating or, or or eliminating this target. I mean, this is this is a threat that they really can't afford to let them pass by. So I kind of understand True. I kind of understand where they're coming from. I also understand where Michael Chiklis is coming from because he's putting his his faith into this 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 computer system that's that's been built. Mm-hmm. So I completely right. get that too. He's like Miles Dyson. He has complete yeah. faith in Skynet. So I mean, I I kind of get it. I kind of get both sides of that argument. So it is, yeah, you're right. It is it is kind of important. So for some things that happen, you know, much much later. Right. We get back to Jerry and Rachel and this AI Aria. I'm just gonna start calling it Aria. Um, wants them to go shopping and, and buy new clothes and change their appearance and what have you. And neither one of them are really having this. So instead of going shopping, it's go to Circuit City. 2008 and the mention of Circuit City. My God. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I don't even. Was that the last year they existed? Because well, I don't remember them. It's, it's been a long time. Since it's been I've, a very I've, long. I, I know that's not yeah. the last year they existed, but it's been a very, very long time. Very long time. Since I've even yeah, heard I, the term Circuit City. Does that does that building down is it is it Danvers? Does it still look like the big plug yep. for Circuit City? Yes. Yep. <laughs> they still haven't yep. changed it? Nope. <laughs> nope. I love that. The whole the whole entryway was a giant, a giant it was plug. supposed to be like a plug. Yeah. Nope, they haven't changed it. Because I remember they would use it on their on their advertisements, was like you see like this big CG plug. <laughs> plug into the front of the building i don't know what i don't know what it is now i think it's a restaurant of some kind now oh wow wasn't i i thought it was like a like a hardware store at one point was it probably i don't remember i think it was at one point it's been years since i've been over there so well basically best buy took over everything that was circuit city i mean as far as um and anything that's going to find electronics. Oh, no, but no, 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 no. Best far, Buy nowadays. Far from the truth, because just up until a couple of years ago, maybe even still today, Circuit City was just like an online thing only. Oh, I remember really? that. They yeah. ran like an online hmm. like discounter outlet store for a lot of years after, um, after they all closed down. I don't know. Which makes Who sense. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe, maybe Circuit City's like Blockbuster. There's like one more left out there. Mm, yeah, but it's a franchise. It's not a corporate anymore. Or maybe, maybe Circuit City is some AI that's just hiding online right now, um, preparing to, you know, turn on us. C- completely possible. 
I, I don't know. Like, maybe we're looking at the wrong things. Like, we should be ignoring Google and Siri and start looking at Circuit City. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. That's what this movie is telling us. I mean, hey, they went, they went to on, uh, online-only presence how many years ago? I mean, that's before everything else did, I'm just saying. There might be some truth behind that. We don't know. Anyways, so... The kid told to go to Circuit City and they're in the theater department and immediately, you know, the screen starts flashing and it starts to show them their lives. This AI knows everything about them. Their social security numbers, their phone call records, their passports, their photo IDs, you know, family photos and things of that nature. Videos, text messages, text messages, I apologize. You know, security cam footage, just everything. Just, you know, assume that Arya knows everything about their lives, period. And it's terrifying. <laughs> it's absolutely terrifying mm. because we're kind of there now. It's a very weird thing to think about. Like watching this, watching this back in 2008, and then if I saw this back in 2008 and then you fast forward to now, yeah, I, mm. Right. I would probably watch this in 2008 and like say, yeah, well, we'll we're headed there, but who cares? But I don't know. It's weird. It's kind of a yeah. weird thing to look back on. Yeah. Totally. But I mean, it, it's 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 cool to go back and see these now. Like I'm I'm just thinking like right even right now thinking Anthony Mackie, right? Mm. Just the actor Anthony Mackie. Like, I saw it, and when I was watching this movie, I was actually in a car the last time I watched it, and I had, like, a really bad glare. And I'm looking, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's Anthony Mackie. But he was so young, mm. and the glare was so bad, I'm just like, it might not be him. But I'm like, but why wouldn't it be him? Oh, it's so clearly him. <laughs> it would make sense it is. Yeah, no, I mean, again, I'm watching it, and it was dark, there was a glare, and I'm oh, in the car. Okay. And I'm just like, oh yeah, it's Anthony Mackie. I'm pretty sure I remember it being Anthony Mackie. Like, he, I've seen him in, in a lot of other things, but it, it's funny that he hasn't really, like, he never really stepped out until, like, Captain America, uh, the Winter Soldier. Right. That's when he first came into, like, something somewhat, like, really big. And then after that, he started doing that movie, like, the night before, with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Seth Rogen, um, but that was after he was introduced you know, into like the mainstream, like, or we'll, we'll say, um, uh, a more prominent character in a mainstream film. So it's cool to see him back here and like, Oh, look, he was just kind of like a side character here, but he was actually, his side character had a lot of importance in this yeah, because yes. he was helping solve the, the, the whole issue at the end, but it's cool that he was there. So Anyway, just just kind of comparing like back then to now and just seeing even just the actors and where they've been like you've got Rosario Dawson who's in in this movie. And I mean, we know her now as like Ahsoka Tano, you know, on top of like so many other characters. The first thing I saw her in was Men in Black 2, you know, and, you know, she had her short hair and, you know, she was just kind of like just kind of there like, oh, okay, she's cool. And then you see her in like. Tarantino stuff. I first that's what I was just about to Sin say. City. I first saw her in maybe it was. So maybe it was. Maybe the first thing I saw her in was Sin City. Really before Men in Black? Mm, I mean Men right. in Black was definitely you're before right, Sin right. City, so You're right. You're right. I don't look mm, Here's the thing. I don't look back on Men in Black 2 with a lot of fondness. 
Not many people do. I didn't really like garbage. that movie. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Uh, three was three was atrocious. I hated it. I, this, this, uh, the story was was the story was was interesting in Men in Black Two, but the way it, like the way they did it was just over the top. Not not the way that the first one was. I mean, the first one was over the top too. It's not meant to be subtle, but the third one. Don't knock a movie with time travel. All right, like just let me enjoy it. I'm I mean, s- I'm Boris sorry. the animal. I'm sorry, but Jermaine Clements is is one of the funniest guys ever. Yeah, and he was perfect. As, I know as you, Boris the animal. I know, I know you have you know an affection for time travel. That movie was unnecessary. Can I say that? <laughs> I won't. I won't. I won't say it was bad, but I'll say that Men in Black Three was unnecessary. It didn't need to happen. And. Two? But you have to say that Josh Brolin was a great, great young K. No, he wasn't. Really? Nothing compares to Tommy Lee Jones. Nothing. Well, no, but I'm saying if anybody was to play a young version of him. No. I think he did a fantastic job. We are so far apart on this. <laughs> oh, come on. We're so far Why? Is it, apart it's just, Is it just Thanos and you can't see past Thanos? No, it's just, not even Thanos, but just... Josh Brolin as a young Tommy Lee. No. Um, no. It didn't work. Especially when you watch the first one. Like, the dynamic of their relationship in the first movie is classic. That, that The first Men in Black movie is, is through and through a classic sci-fi film. Two was way over-the-top goofy, and they had Tommy Lee Jones hey, doing well, a... Huh? Bismarcky? <laughs> right. Way o- Bismarcky in the way um, over the, the top post goofy, office. and then three was just okay. We're we're stretching this because now we're doing the time travel thing, which you know, fine. You like? I I thought it was just unnecessary, and then just you don't replace Tommy Lee Jones. I don't care. <laughs> you just don't do it. Whatever. You don't do it. Whatever. Okay. So. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Anyways, so Arya's going on about how things aren't working exactly the way that Arya thinks that they should be working. And it keeps saying we. We over and over and over again. And Rachel wisely asks, why do you keep saying we? Oh, we the people. And then it all comes together that this is one big, you know, Mm. government thing. And we get more information here because it's ju- it's it, this is the part of the movie where I really didn't like because it's jumping back and forth and back and forth. It's not sticking with one story and then you know continuing like I, mm, it's it's jumbled. That, that that's why I said at the beginning of this thing the dialogue in this movie is something to be desired. It's clunky. This is one of the reasons why because it's kind of all over the place from this point on. Like we're cutting back and forth mm. between, you know, different storylines and different narratives. And it's really, it's not difficult to keep track of, but it's very frustrating when you're so interested in one particular element of the movie, but then it cuts to a different thing that I really don't care about all that much. It's, it's, I didn't like that. Um, because right. we get, you know, what's his name? I'm all over the place. So we get Defense Secretary Callister here, and he's introducing yeah. mm-hmm. Rosaria Dawson to autonomous, r- reconnaissance, intelligence, 
Interrogation Analysis, Aria. Yeah. Yep. That's his name. That's insane. That's, that's way too long. Mm-hmm. But Aria... Oh, is- well, that's... They, they were working on it. <laughs> they, they were working on it. Yeah, like Shield. Like the strategic, strategic homeland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're working on that. Um You could just call us Shield. We find out we find out that Jerry's brother Ethan was uh at one point posted at, at at this location to monitor what Arya was seeing. Um Arya informs Jerry and Rachel that they are required to protect national security because the constitution allows for civilians to be recruited. <laughs> interesting. Really interesting. Yeah. Um, Arya gets mean at this point, you know, talking about how it took Jerry 18 months to learn how to walk, but Jerry, how it took Jerry 18 months to learn how to walk, but Ethan was able to do it before he was a year old. You know, Jerry, Jerry lacks, you know, all of the motivation that allowed his twin brother Ethan to excel in life. It's, that's rough. That's, that's rough to say to anybody. She says, it's like, you, you, you guys are completely identical. Oh no, you guys are completely opposite, except in one one way. way. And and it's just the way they look. That's it. Yeah, pretty much. That's it. There's nothing. There's nothing about them that's the same. They look and sound the same, but they are completely opposite. Which obviously he knows, and obviously always bugged him. Right. So she's just, you know, it's it's it kind of reminds me of when Arnold was like, anger is more useful than despair. You know, like, <laughs> like she's just like psychologically messing with him right now, just to be like, sh- like shut up and do what I say. You know, this is a way to, you know, mess with him psychologically. So he just agrees and moves on. I guess so. You know. Um, we cut back <laughs> to, uh, I don't know his character name in this movie. I apologize. We cut back to Billy Bob Thornton, who's at the crime scene of where the whole armored truck thing goes down. And oh, he's, yeah, top, uh, Agent Morgan. Agent Morgan, thank you. And he's he's going yeah. nuts, asking a whole bunch of questions about <laughs> how exactly did they point these shotguns. And he just starts waving the shotgun in the air, pointing That's a it valid at, point, though. Pointing it at these guards' heads. Like, how do they hold it? They hold it like this? Were they gangster about it? Did they hold it to the side? What was what was going on? And it comes out that they were absolutely no pros in the way that they were doing this thing. I love this right. question. Like, this is... You're right. This is an absolutely valid point. Like, it goes back to what we said before. He's doing his job. Like, he's not just, you know, blinded by, right. you know, lust to get his guy. You know, like like every right. other, you know, cop or, or FBI agent or what have you in action movies that we've seen, you know, throughout our lives. He's actually asking questions and being a, a, a decent, you know, agent here, which is awesome. So, right. um, we cut back to, we cut back to Jerry and, and, excuse me, we cut back to Jerry and Rachel. And Rachel uh-huh. receives kind of an unknown tap. We don't know exactly what aria is telling her to do it's kind of in the background it's a mystery at this point you can, but you can, you kind of have we the idea. know exactly what you know aria is telling we've, her we've, to do. we've seen enough movies yes we know exactly we what aria is telling her to do i figured it out you know on first watch i knew exactly what was going on here right right um it wasn't it wasn't something like quick Order order a a large you know double bacon or like a double bacon cheeseburger and then tell them that you don't want that that you, that you want it without the the buns <laughs> and without the burger, like we we know it's not something ridiculous like that. No, you know it's pretty much obvious that we're getting into the point. It's like okay, 
it's something about Jerry. Yes. It's, it's, kill Jerry. We get it. Pretty much. It's, it's obvious. It. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no tiptoeing around that. We, we know what this is. So, okay. So, two of them, they make their way to an airport. They're at checkpoint. They're able to make their way through both the body scanners and, and, and the conveyor belt where you put all your luggage and everything. Aria hacks into the airport camera and security system and just makes this suitcase look like it's absolutely nothing and they're good to go. But uh, Billy Bob Thornton, <laughs> you know, Agent Morgan over here, he's hot on their trail and, you know, chaos ensues within inside this airport and they're having this fight on uh, the back room in the conveyor area where all the luggage is being routed to, you know, various locations where it needs to go, planes it needs to go on and so forth. And what surprises me the most, and also surprises Agent Morgan here the most, is Jerry's actually able to get the upper hand here. He's able to grab the gun, points it right at Agent Morgan, doesn't pull the trigger, just kind of lets him go, and then Arya makes sure that they're, you know, going off into their, you know, right locations or what have you. Arya is basically splitting them up because we need to move the story along a little bit. It was right. It was great. The way that, you know, Jerry just kind of yeah. le- like lets him go. Like this is this is perfect. And, At- and again, you, you see airport and all I think of when you go into the back of an airport is Die Hard 2. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty like that's, much. That's all I think of when I see when I see a fight scene in the middle of, of luggage <laughs> distribution, like luggage, you know, routing. Like, yeah. I mean, what else could I ever think of? Although it wasn't I mean, as... There's, there's some other movies that show that, like animated movies. I th- You could think of, like, Toy Story 2. Yes. And, you know, a few other things. But no, I go right to Die, Die Hard, Hard 2. 2. I'm like, wasn't this, like... Die Hard 2, all I think about is there's a... It's, it's snowing. <laughs> there's an airport. There's a house somewhere. <laughs> and there's luggage. Like, that's about all I remember from Die Hard 2. I think... Sorry. Okay, I think <laughs> I just, two things. I don't remember much about that movie. I think two things when I think Die Hard 2. And they both take place in the same scene. They're at a portion of the airport that's still being, like, constructed. And there's a scaffold. And John McClane tips the scaffold over, and it's supposed to crush a guy. It's not a guy. Uh It's a dummy. It is clearly a... (laughs) (laughs) It is as clear as day a dummy with an oh my god face, like, fixed on it. It's it's the most ridiculous looking thing (laughs) you've ever seen it's clearly like moving and <laughs> flapping around like it's it's full of stuffing it's absolutely ridiculous and the other thing i think is when john is laying down on a on a walkway and they hit the button for the walkway to begin to move and john is crawling towards the gun but you have a bad guy running towards the gun the bad guy running towards the yeah. gun is two steps away from the gun, but for some reason, this scene takes like 10, 15 seconds to play out. <laughs> it's just, it's so... Well, that, that's almost as cool as Rambo, you know, just like shooting up all these guys and, you know, just going through like 50,000 bullets and the people are all shooting at him and not a single bullet hits him. Yeah, you know, just... <laughs> Or we go into, like, the classic, you know, total rip on all of that is Austin Powers with the, the steamroller. No! Yeah, pretty much. When he's, like, exactly. really far away. Yeah, I mean. Exactly that. There's, there's, there's so many ridiculous things in some of the older action films. You're like, this doesn't make sense. If we saw this in real life and not with quick cuts and stupid camera angles, we'd be like, really? This is what is happening here? 
the reason you know, why there's the, the horror movies where the, where the people are running away and the killer's walking and somehow the killer is ahead of them. Oh yeah. You know, but no, the reason why, the reason why something like that sticks from me, sticks with me from Die Hard 2 is because Die Hard 1 was amazing. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's there, yeah. I, I'm sure if I picked that movie apart, I would find a flaw, but on first glance, there's really not a whole lot wrong with that film. Die Hard 2, there is a few instances of just filming choices that are mind-boggling. Like, how did this make the final cut? What happened? Mm. Like, there are parts of that Mm -hmm. movie that feel unfinished, and it's just amazing to me that, like, this is the sequel? (laughs) Like, really? This is what you decided to do? Oh, okay. (laughs) Sure. Hey, they they stepped it up when they did Die Hard with a Vengeance because that movie was awesome. They did. That movie's amazing. (laughs) They did. Anyway, we're getting pretty way off here with the uh, airport luggage so, areas, but so we anyway. get we get through the whole we get through the whole you know chase sequence through through the cargo area of this airport, and the two make their way onto a cargo plane. And just as they're doing this, this briefcase is counting down and hits zero, and it opens. And inside, inside are some drugs, and <laughs> they're experimental drugs. Yeah. Their experimental drugs that will slow their heart rate down, making it possible for them to require less oxygen because this cargo plane is not pressurized. So it's, if right. they didn't do this, it would be very difficult for them to breathe. I love how at this point right. they're trying to incorporate a little bit of science in, into this, this movie uh-huh. that is at, up until this point just been ridiculous. It's, it's, right. it's <laughs> <laughs> And I also love... I also love that Arya assures them, tr- tries to assure them, hey, don't worry, there's a 92% chance of survival if you do this. <laughs> yeah. It's much better than zero, so. I guess okay. so. She's like, there is a 0%. If you don't take this, you will die. Well, she does say that. So, like, if you don't do this, you will suffocate. Yeah. Like, and they, they, they take the shots, they crawl inside of a shipping container, and now we're making small talk. Talk, talk. So yeah, well, I I love the fact that this whole thing comes down to this briefcase was not a bomb. Nope, it was just the container. Yep, pretty much. So this whole time, like, and and we're all thinking, oh, it's got to be a bomb. Like, what else would it be? You know. But about halfway through their chase, I was like, you know what? That doesn't make sense. It's probably something else. Yeah. And when this happens, it almost makes me feel like it's a saw movie. You know, where it opens up, it's like, at the perfect time, then this will release. At the perfect time, then that will happen. It's like, come on, Jigsaw. The kid locked like, in the but safe. hey, this is before Saw. Yeah. Actually, no, actually, was this after, this was after Saw. Never mind. The, well, you might be thinking of Saw, what is it, two or three, where they have the kid locked in the safe? Yeah, well, yeah. 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 He was there the whole time. He was there the whole time. Yeah, no, there's... Yeah, now there's a lot of things like that that happen in those movies. But the point is, it's just, it's funny because they make it seem like a bomb and no one tells them otherwise. They just kind of roll with it. Yeah. And they sit there and they watch it and the thing pops open and you're like, oh, it's just these syringes that we have to shoot ourselves with so we can get to a box. Nobody would have guessed that. Nope. 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 And and it's funny because like, did those guards know what they had? Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. Probably not. (laughs) <laughs> but it's so funny that it was just it just worked out so well. <laughs> worked out really well. Anyways, well, the, plan? the two of them are inside the shipping container now and they're making some small talk about how much of a jerk her ex-husband is and how he, you know, really isn't there for her son and they're going on and on mm-hmm. and 
I have to say, you know, Jerry in the situation, he's he's either a really good at making, you know, small talk enough to calm her down or if he's just really mm-hmm. calm because of the drugs that he's on. And right. I think it's the drugs that he's on because they both pass out for their entire trip. <laughs> right. So. Moving on, we have Rosaria Dawson and Anthony Mackie. Do you have his character name in front of you? Anthony Mackey? Yeah. Anthony Mackey. Mr. Mackey. He was uh, William Bowman. Major William Bowman. Okay, so Rosaria... I keep calling her Rosaria Dawson. Zoe Perez. Zoe Perez. Zoe, yeah. Zoe Perez. Zoe Perez and... I'm bad at this. (laughs) I'm getting very tired. (laughs) Anyways. Just say Bowman. Just say Bowman. Perez and Bowman. Perez and Bowman, they're... They're watching some footage of Ethan's final moments, you know, in this facility. And he's, it's, it, it's noted that he left his post three minutes before he was supposed to, and you just don't do that. And they're trying to figure out why. So they watch the security footage to try to figure things out, and he's sending Morse code on his phone before he leaves. Really clever. Yep. Ari is getting really upset that they're watching this footage so she butts in that she has to delete this for security or 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 analyze it for whatever details and <clears throat> eventually the footage just gets deleted. So there there there's something going on and right now it's clear as day. But luckily he's able to write down, you know, fire extinguisher. That's what he was writing out in Morse code. They go over to the fire mm-hmm. extinguisher, they get an SD card and now we have the next piece of this puzzle. Yeah, and the fire extinguisher was the only thing that was out of Arya's sight. You know, it was it was just beyond. It was just beyond. An area, yeah, you know, she, she, she wasn't able to exactly make out what they were doing. Like she could kind of, Arya could kind of make out that they were there, but she wasn't able to see right. exactly what they were doing, which I thought was really clever. Which comes into play right. a little bit later on. Um, Jerry and Rachel they land at you know where they were to be delivered and. Very conveniently, they are at the Pentagon. <laughs> Door opens up, you know, at the specific time, yep. you know, lets yep. them out of the crate. Everything is perfect. Then, yeah. Everything's lining up exactly are. the way that Aria wants it to line up. So, mm-hmm. we get to more, some more exposition. Here we go. So, Perez, Callister, and Bowman, they're all having a little powwow about exactly what's going on. Um, right. Because they get the information and find out, you know, that she's been doing this and that, whatever. This scene is the only scene I really remembered from this movie because I thought it was really cool. Of the way that the way that this AI was trying to, like, listen and figure out what they were doing. Right. And problem solving. So I thought it was brilliant. At first, Aria tries to listen in with the phone that's in the room. But Bowman wisely unplugs the phone. Then it starts scanning the rest of the room, trying to read Zoe's lips. It's not going to happen. Then it starts scanning for vibrations to try to pick up on a lot of a lot of the conversation that's going on in here. Looks at Callister's glass, <laughs> but it's in his hand, so she can't really see the water vibrating until Callister sets the glass down. Then Aria can pick up what's going on in this room, and Aria picks Based up off just, of vibrations. Yes, and I'm like that's insanity. Exactly. Um, we find out. Exactly what's going on. So 
Ari is trying to assume control of the government because the attack at the beginning of this movie was a mistake. It's not explicit about what that mistake was. I'm just assuming right. that maybe some Americans were killed in this missile attack. That's yeah. my guess. Well, I mean, they, basic, they basically get into it. I mean, no, the point is they killed they kill an innocent man. They killed innocent people. Okay, but the whole thing about Arya is she's assuming control and making a transition to government because the government attacked its own people. That too. Not an innocent man. Well, okay, yeah. So, okay, fine. We we have an innocent man, granted, but it's not an innocent American. No, but it was attacking innocent people. You know, it saw that the government was just power-hungry. And power crazy going out and just go ahead and dropping bombs on people, you know? The uh, government attacking its people implies that the government is attacking Americans. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the way that I took that. So I just, I assume that somewhere in the midst of, of this drone strike that happened at the beginning of the movie, there was one or two Americans, maybe a couple of soldiers were bystanders in this explosion, and that's what... Arya was yeah, trying to protect everything I just, against. I just thought that they were they were allies. Uh, you know, they were not the enemies; they were the allies. It's, That's kind of how I looked at it. It's possible. It's absolutely possible. It's absolutely possible. But um. Either way, what it comes down to, Arya is like the government should not be what it is. What they did was they went against something, and they're not acting American enough. And following the Constitution, uh. That would mean that this would have to happen, and here's the issues. So you find out, I mean, what, what did we find out? We find out that there's actually targets that she is specifically targeting. The entire cabinet. <laughs> the entire cabinet. The entire cabinet. Yep. She's targeting the, the entire the cabinet all the, all the way up to the president, with the exception yep. of Secretary Callister, who was <laughs> actually against this throne strike to begin with. Exactly. So. And, sh- and yeah. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. So, I mean, we get that, we get the whole thing, and Arya starts having the conversation, eventually, with Callister, and explains to him, you know, why she's doing it all, and it's, and she's like, well, because of all this, and you're going to assume the role as president. Great! You will be the new president of the United States. And you see him kind of be like, oh, like, for a second there's a glimmer of, like, that'd be cool to be president, and this, the rest of it's kind of like, what, did, what have I done? Like, yeah. what Pandora's box did I open here? Yeah, he feels you know? sick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. So it's called... And you see it all over his face. You see everything go through his head at this moment. So, so, Very well done. So at this point, you know, Ethan attempts to shut... So we find out that Ethan actually attempts to shut this down, and he locks it by way of biometrics, which is very important. Yep. Aria is going to use Jerry to unlock... We, we find out the name of the project. It, Operation... Operation Guillotine? Yes. Gulletin? Gulletin? Guillotine? Gu- gu- guillotine. Thank you. So we find out that it's Operation Guillotine, which is, you know, a simulation that's to be run, and it's basically to rebuild the government when there's no clear line of succession. And that's exactly what's happening here, which is why Callister is going to be appointed as president by the end of this thing. He won't be, but, you know, we don't know that yet. And Harry is going to use Jerry because he's Ethan's twin brother to basically unlock this whole thing by way of biometrics, which makes complete sense. 
the way that this tied together by this point was pretty cool, I have to admit. Yep. Cool. <laughs> Super. So, Zoe and Bowman, they're on their way back down to try to shut this whole thing down. They're going to bleed this thing out because the inside of it is filled with, you know, nitrogen. And to just basically cool it down so if they drain it, it'll fry. Um, anybody that's, mm-hmm. you know, super into PC cooling will absolutely understand that. There's, there are right. ridiculous builds right. out there online of, like, people building <laughs> these supercomputers that are being cooled by liquid nitrogen. It's actually pretty yeah. interesting. It's really fun. It's really cool. So it it Literally. does it doesn't exactly go as planned. Um, I don't know if Bowman is killed during this thing. They both get kind of thrown into a pool of water. I thought that they were thrown into a pool of liquid liquid nitrogen at the beginning because they said it, oh. and then all of a sudden <laughs> they get tossed to the bottom of this thing, and it's like they get splashed into this mysterious liquid, which turned yeah. out I guess it was just water. Just straight up dirty water. Yeah, I don't understand what it was supposed to be. <laughs> oh my god. Anyways. Yeah, little interesting tidbit of information about Michael Chiklis. You know he was born in Lowell? I did know that. Yeah. I actually did cool. know that. You just I mean you just reminded me. He was, born, but a year, I didn't he was know that. born a year after my parents in in Lowell, Mass. Oh, good for him. And he, and he started off like start his big break was when he was doing a uh, biopic with John Belushi called Wired. Anyway, interesting so, little th- tidbit about Michael Chiklis. So as Jerry is approaching the scanner to basically unlock Pandora's box over here, um, after that whole thing, he finds out that Arya is the one who killed Ethan because Ethan was trying to shut everything down. He just had to be eliminated, and he was a target, and all that good stuff. Jerry turns around oh, yeah. and Rachel pulls a gun out on him and like we did not see this coming. This was <laughs> this was so telegraphed yeah, earlier on. We didn't on. see it coming, but we also didn't understand what his whole purpose of being chosen was besides the fact that he was related to his brother, but we got here that you know his voice was needed. Yes. Well, you not know, not because just he his had voice, an identical like, voice. His face, like his biometrics, like well, his everything. face, everything yeah. about him, like everything about his physical features was needed to unlock this. Yeah. Oh boy. So I'm I'm amazed I'm amazed that you know Arya was able to know that he would be able just to survive all of this stuff and get there, but she also had like backup plans and all that stuff too. Like, well, if this doesn't work, then I've got this, you know. And here we see that Rachel. I mean, Shia LaBeouf does this amazing, you know, go ahead and shoot me, save your son thing, and he's just like shoving the gun in his face. Yeah. You know, just like go ahead and do it. Like seriously, just do it. Like he's he's struggling through it, but do it you know that you don't have a choice you have to do this and she chickens out and the whole thing comes down to well you know we have other backup plans you failed you didn't do your thing but you'll get killed by other means right so she's off to complete her next task whatever that's going to be at this point um she's intercepted by a gentleman which is all part of the plan yes she's intercepted she's intercepted by a gentleman who brings her to a hotel room or whatnot She's given a change of clothes, and she's given a very, very shiny necklace. <laughs> mm. I was really wondering when that was going to come back into play, and I'm a f- glad. A it- freshly set <laughs> stone. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hmm. No, it's it's actually well pretty- that we already had we already understood. So I mean, that was the cool thing about this technology here is this crystal, when armed, 
is triggered by a certain frequency that comes out of this little noisemaker, basically. So we already saw that this kid's little trumpet or whatever was already stolen. Yep. And then, yep. okay, then he gets it back after it was modified with the trigger yep. for this explosive that is, that is cut out of a stone, which it, it's amazing that this explosive, this massive explosive can be cut and sharpened and, sh- and polished and all that stuff and nothing nothing happens to it well only when it has that frequency you know when when the trigger's armed technology like, wow. man okay technology man that's yeah. i mean that's the answer here it's all in crystals <laughs> yeah. technology. Sorry, i can't buy it when they when they're bringing up crystals i was like that makes zero sense but hey <laughs> it's a movie no like if michael bay did this movie it would have been so much more ridiculous it would have been. been crystals on every single it corner a- it absolutely would have been more ridiculous but that's not the most ridiculous thing that happened in this movie to me what's it's, it's coming up so she changes into her new clothes <laughs> she changes into her new yep. clothes and she's off to to fulfill the rest of her mission of, uh, and whatnot meanwhile jerry Whatever is taken into is. custody jerry is taken yep. into custody and he's being held and and you know agent morgan comes along and grabs him and whisks him away and he has questions and he wants to know what's going on right as there is a giant drone strike tank trying to take out jerry and again, through a tunnel, through a tunnel, explosions, big <laughs> bang, wear off, you know, good time. Now, you, you, now, when you see when you see when you see a plane or some kind of flying object going through a tunnel, what do you think of? <laughs> when I see a plane or some object going, what do I think of? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't honest, think of anything besides Mission Impossible. Oh, no. I well, the end of Mission Impossible. See, anytime I see. Anytime I see action sequences or explosions going on inside of a tunnel, I think Independence Day. Oh. Well, okay. You don't remember the scene in in Mission Impossible with the helicopter? To be honest with you, again, much like, um, what was it last time I said I wasn't really that into? Not into, you know, the Mission Impossible films because I'm not into Tom Cruise. Right. Right. I mean, I, I look at it just for like the, the technology, because back then, the stuff that they were thinking were, was going to be spy technology was actually pretty cool. You know, it was very it was very much into the technology. They had, you know, masks and voice changers and stuff like that that made you look like a totally different person right off the bat. And you're like, this movie's nuts. <laughs> hmm. But anyway, yeah, I don't so know, man, that. something I'm pretty sure if you go back and, you know, watch some of those old Bond movies, you'll find something just as ridiculous. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, the old Bond movies are are, are completely, like, <laughs> nuts. <laughs> when, 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 uh, when Sean Connery starts flying around in jetpacks, yeah. you know, I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, got pretty loony. Here we go. I mean, it was pretty loony. cool, but, yeah. Anyway, um... This whole right. scene was great. I mean, the whole you get this conversation between Billy Bob, uh, sorry, Thomas Morgan and Jerry here, and um, they're going back, and basically he understands the whole situation, what's going on, what needs to be done, and he's just like, as they're getting attacked, they go through here, they drive around, they get knocked over by the drone that's down for, like, the moment, and Billy ugh, Morgan, Morgan is basically telling Jerry, like, get out of here. Go ahead and save the president. Run in there and tell him you have a POTUS triple one, right? <laughs> and that's what you need to do. You need to, like, basically alert the people that the president is is 
in danger. I, so, you know, he's, they threw out their phones and all that stuff because obviously Arya was listening in and tapping into every th- single I'm so, thing and looking for them. I'm so... I'm just going to say it. I'm so happy that you get, like, an agent in an action movie that's willing to sacrifice himself for the betterment of, like, oh, you know, man. what's going on. And, and, and the because way he, he did it The was way awesome. he did it was great. It was absolutely it was so fantastic. Cool. I mean, he got this big old, you know, gash in his side and he's bleeding out. Like, he knows his, his time is limited, so he's just like, listen, right. I'm done. Here's the gun. Here's the badge. Go do what you got to do. Get out of here. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. What and a not way what for you his expect from Billy Bob Thornton. Hmm? Not what you expect from not what you expect from Billy Bob Thornton. Not at Billy all. Billy Bob Thornton is not usually is not easily like wavered. He's, he doesn't usually change from his course of direction in his movie, like in his, as his characters go. Um, so I thought it was great to see him. Like y- you think he's like eh, kind of the bad guy in a sense. He's just he's he's not the bad guy, but he's not helping but at this point he's he's understanding what's going on and he is helping and you're like this is actually pretty cool yes so the way he does it though he he says get out of here turns the truck around and just drives into i don't know what it was some type of something in in the that was like an accidental whatever structure that was there and when the truck hits it it shoots up like this ladder or something up in the air which basically takes out the drone it was just perfect massive explosion Oh yeah, Massive big explosion. explosion. Oh yeah, but it was good. It was so good. So <laughs> we got back to uh, Perez and Bowman as they're down, you know, hanging out with Arya, trying to figure out how they're going to shut this thing off. And Arya's fighting to survive. And this was ridiculous. This was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Perez, the, the, the arm. <laughs> no, Perez grabs a giant rod and just shoves it inside of Arya's eye <laughs> or whatever yep. it is lens and that's 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 it like that's the end of their that's that that's the end of their story like uh, as far now, as, like, as no, it's Perez going on and Arya, go. Arya knew that she was in danger so she was trying to upload her consciousness or whatever or like save it somewhere right before right. But you know, but they got shut and you down. see it, and you see it like the percent's going up, and it says something, something like twenty-seven percent uploaded, and then Perez just stabs it in the eye, and that stops everything for some reason. Yeah. What? Like really? Like the eye? Okay. Whatever. That to me was ridiculous. I didn't buy that for a second. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I didn't either. I'm sorry. They're just no. Anyways, but I'm going to move on from that. So Rachel makes it to her son's performance that's going to be taking place. She never knows that she's carrying the bomb. Like, she doesn't know that she's carrying the briefcase. No idea. Zero idea. She never knows. Like, it never even comes out, even in the end. Never. Nobody says a word. Never brought up. She doesn't know what's going on there. She doesn't know that her son has the trigger. Like, it's not even brought up. It's just a thing that we as the audience know to keep us on the edge of our seat. And let me tell you something. It absolutely worked. Because I was wondering, like, is this bomb going to go off? Like, what's going to happen here? I'm, I'm genuinely wondering. Because after, you know, after you see everything that Billy Bob Thornton goes through 
and the way that he just kind of drove up and there was a big explosion, you know, it's an action movie. I'm expecting there to be like one more big epic boom. And I'm thinking that mm. this necklace is going to be it. I didn't necessarily think that, you know, her and her son were going to perish. Blow her head off. I didn't know. I didn't think that at all. But I did think like something's going to happen. The next the necklace is going to go flying and there's going to be a big boom at the end of this movie. That's how I thought that this was going to end. But it, it didn't. It just kind of resolved itself in a way. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into what happened. Jerry runs in. Gets into a tussle with the guard, because they wouldn't believe him, basically. Beats the guard up and steals his, his uniform, or the cop up, and steals the uniform. Have a good fight. So now he's impersonating an officer. You wouldn't think that Shia LaBeouf, huh? you wouldn't think that Shia LaBeouf would be able to pull off a fight like this, but he, he, he did. He was good. He was good. I think what it came down to, <clears throat> this is how I accepted it. He and his brother were more alike than he thought. Hmm. And he had, like, a natural instinct that his brother had as well. The difference is his brother tapped into it. Maybe it just goes back and to that didn't. whole thing about motivation. He motiv- chose to go in the opposite direction. Maybe it just goes back to the whole thing about motivation. Like, he was finally motivated right. to do something, so he, like his brother, excelled. Maybe it was one of those things. Exactly. Okay, I can buy exactly. that. I can, I, can, <clears throat> I can buy that. So, you're right. He gets in there. He gets into this epic fight with one of these security guards makes it into the room where there's this performance has happened. And right before her son is about to hit the note that he has to hit, he fires a couple of shots off in the air, clears the room out and takes a couple of shots in the arm for, you know, for his, for his doing. And the Uh, entire, no, he got shot. He got shot in the back. It looked like he died. It did. Like he got shot in the back. It it, it looked like (sighs) he got shot in the back, but you know, when we see him again, He's just kind of wearing an arm sling, and he's like, you know, not doing that bad. Like, like if he got yeah, shot, yeah. Well, they made it look like he died. It they did. They made it look like it he sacrificed himself. Very and died. much made it look like that. You're. I'm not saying that you're right. wrong. I'm just saying like it looked like he got shot in the back. It looked like he died, but <laughs> when we see him with the sling, it's like, oh, he just took you know a couple of bullets in the arm. He's he's okay. Arm, shoulder, you know, whatever. He's good. He's gonna be fine. Right. But anyways. Mm-hmm. He fires a couple of shots off, takes a couple of rounds, and the entire crisis comes to an end. It's just, we're done. It's over. Yep. I don't and know. And then we have this, you know. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. I don't know how. I don't know how it's over. I mean, you know, Perez over here, all she did was take out, you know, this computer's lens, like an eye lens. Like, that's, that's, that's all that happened. Like yeah, like, but they like made it seem like that was the Bowman. I, I don't know. Bowman <laughs> didn't finish unplugging everything. We didn't, you know, drain the 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 the, li- the liquid nitrogen so that its CPU would fry or whatever. It's just I will. I'm, well, I'm, maybe I'm, she did after. I'm gonna unplug. I'm gonna unplug a couple of your hard drives, and then I'm gonna stab you in the eye, and you're done. <laughs> See you, yeah. see, you thought before, and I forget what you were talking about, how you thought something was absolutely ridiculous, but this to me, oh yeah, this to me was the, like the ending, like the way that this crisis is averted, the way this, the way the supercomputer is defeated, this to me was absolutely ridiculous. Like, well, I, the, re- I the reason why it. it's ridiculous is because, so I, I could take it two different, 
two different ways. Now, I would accept that this is how you destroy it because nobody would suspect that Arya was behind all of these things that were happening, you know, until people found out, which they did eventually. So therefore, if they took it out, okay, there we go. It was Arya all along, this defenseless robot. Got it. You know, I mean, as far as like direct physical um, <coughs> defense. Sure. But then the other thing is, before all this happened, um, you know, this character here, this Bowman, he's basically saying, here's how we take it out. We drain the liquid nitrogen and let it fry up. Like, the whole thing. So, the fact that he explained that's how we take it out, and she just goes ahead and takes a, a pole to it and stabs it in the eye, that's a, che- that's a cheap out that doesn't make any sense because they just explained that you needed to do something else. We also get- So, the fact that they had another plan- and then they just resulted to taking a pole and sticking it through the eyeball. Okay. So well, we also that, that's we, where I get lost in. We it. also we also have, you know, a nice little scene at the end of this thing where um where Callister is 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 testifying before, you know, his superiors, you know, talking about what happened mm-hmm. and what to do next. And the suggestion is made that we just have to end this ARIA program. And, you know, his superiors are very much against this, which suggests that it just by the flip of the switch this thing could be turned back on mm-hmm. i mean it's the suggestion is there so i'm kind of not kind of not on board with the whole bowman was successful thing like it's like 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 maybe behind the eye was just an off switch <laughs> that nobody knows about yeah maybe there's a deleted scene now where they show the construction of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is it? They, they have a, they're going to make a prequel about it. It's basically going to be Rogue, Rogue One, but just for Eagle Eye. Yeah, pretty much. You know, where it explains that there was, there was some, like, cheaply made thing just in case, you know, and uh, whatever. Pretty much. No, anyway, we, we have this whole end scene. We, there's, a fu- there's, like, a funeral-type thing there, you know, where they're, they're honoring... Um, Morgan and you know and Bowman and you're like okay and then you see Jerry standing there and you're like oh he's alive yep. and, and then he gets does he get like a purple heart or something it's it's unclear he gets some kind of medal whether it's a purple heart he or, or a medal of merit or you know a medal of bravery yeah, I didn't know or if it whatever was like his but it's not purple heart and they gave it to him because just, you know they were both involved in this whole thing but yeah he gets some kind of type some type of medal and his dad looks at him and, and, you know, there's this, like, exchange of, like, I'm proud of you, but they never say it no. type thing. No. It's... Yeah. And it's good. It's great. Yeah. And then they have... They, they have this... This ending <laughs> is so out of place and stupid and quick. And you go, what? So... Like, they could have just ended it there. Okay. And that was it. So, it would make sense... It would make sense if he got the girl. He doesn't okay. get the girl. It would make sense if he that he got the girl if she wasn't like fourteen years older than him. <laughs> age is just a number. I mean, <sighs> age is just oh, a number well, in that okay. sense. Well. I mean, I, I, I. <clears throat> mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, like she's she's for, ten years old. It's okay. not it's not fourteen. It's ten years. There's a ten year age difference between Shia LaBeouf and Michelle Monaghan. Okay, ten year but, age gap. Ten year age gap. Not that bad. No, not that no. bad. 
What? No, but it would make sense if he actually got the girl. Like if they were actually like together in some type of relationship or dating after this, but they're not. He just kind of, so he shows up to her son's birthday party and mm-hmm. after everything that they've been through, he gets a peck on the cheek. Mm-hmm. Like that's really like, like, come on. Yeah, but it was also like, it was weird because it was a peck on the cheek, but it was very intimate. It was very, yeah, exactly. So I'm like, so it's like, okay. So they're not like making it ridiculous, but they're like, you know, they were kind of setting it to like, there's a relationship built here. You know, it could go somewhere, you know, or it could just be like, hey, we did this together and we're alive. We're going to be close, you know, as friends or whatever. Sure. So either way, they weren't. But it was like, but then that was it. Like, roll credits. I'm like, huh? <laughs> so first of all. That's what I mean. Like, one thing we didn't touch upon is 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 the son there, uh, Cameron Boyce. Um, yeah, he, he 20 years old. Um, he died. Yeah, the actor man. who played her son, uh, Sam. Uh, definitely sad, so, you know, second of silence for him. I mean... All right, but, you know... 20 is way too just, young. 20 is way too young. Oh, yeah, young. he had a seizure. I remember when it happened, I was like, are you serious? That's crazy. Um, but anyway, he's in now. Now, here's my question. <clears throat> and I was just... I didn't think about it until, you know, just discussing it with you. Now, the only difference here is... That will just say that Arya is out of commission, right? Now, if he went ahead and played that that you know high F, you know, on his trumpet, then that necklace would explode. Who's to say he's not just sitting there one day practicing his trumpet and blows his mom's head off? It, now, it, like you know, completely valid, on. completely valid. <laughs> like, <laughs> This nothing, is why I brought it up nothing, earlier. Like, because nobody else, no knew. one knows. Nobody else knew what the plan was. No one knows. Like, <laughs> no, unbelievable. Yeah, un right, believable. Right. <laughs> right, that's that's it. It's that's it, all, folks. You're you're, you're <laughs> right. You're absolutely right. I maybe that'll be the sequel. So, <laughs> yeah, that's it. It just starts up. And then it ends. <laughs> it starts <laughs> up, big boom, roll credits. Yeah. I don't know, no, man. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right, because it's ridiculous that... It's ridiculous that these two <laughs> mechanics in this movie are introduced, and only the audience knows about it. Like, normally, you would have, right. like, somebody, like, with a badge that would know exactly what was going on. Or maybe somebody, like, sitting down at a computer... Or the main characters... Yeah. They don't know. Somebody should know. Okay, well, maybe... So, somebody should know what's going on. That's why they're running over there to stop it from happening. But he had no idea what was about to happen. He knew something he was going shooting, to happen. Shooting guns. He knew something. Exactly, he knew something, but he, knew, he didn't, but he didn't, know, didn't what. know what it was. He had no idea what it was. He had no idea what he was stopping. He just knew and something she had was no going idea, to happen. Nobody even afterwards. Knew. Nobody knew. Right. Nobody knew. Everybody's, everybody's out of the loop. But what I'm saying is, like... Yep. Maybe, maybe, I'm I'm stealing all your stuff right now. Maybe it's a deleted mm-hmm. scene where there's <laughs> where there's some techie geek, and he's sitting down with his laptop and he's going through Arya and everything that she did. And oh, I better go get this necklace. <laughs> like maybe that right. happens. <clears throat> yeah. 
Yeah, and maybe while he's there, he's like, you know what? And the other strange thing is, how come Wolverine got his adamantium claws back? And after on this? that note, we're going to end this episode of Black and White Reviews. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us. It has been a long night for the two of us. We did two movies tonight. Wow, I'm very tired. I'm gonna get some sleep. I'm yep. gonna turn my AC on. Uh, Lee, mm. you have a good one, and everybody else out there, you too. Good night. <laughs> Adios, amigos. All right. <laughs>